let me do my vocal warm-ups. Dude, fucking welcome back to Film Flam, everybody. Welcome to Film Flam. My, I'm Colin, of course, and I'm always joined by my trusty co-host, Sean. Yep. How's it going? Yeah, we're back with um, another box office failure, back to our bread and butter. Um, <laughs> Was it? How do you know this? <laughs> yeah. I just, I always check now. Um, so yeah, I the thing that I don't get. So I, I checked on Wikipedia. So the the budget was one point one million, the box office was one million, and so for me, if you come even a dollar under your budget, you're a box office failure. But then in the notes, like later on in Wikipedia, it actually says that it lost like six hundred twenty k, which I don't know how the math works out there, but yeah. Well, uh, a lot of times, you know, they have a separate budget for advertising that they don't you know count for oh, the, the budget of the film so that could have been like you know a million to make the movie five hundred thousand to promote the movie or some shit like that uh yeah not sure though but it's interesting so i'm super curious to get your thoughts on this not your first orson welles movie but i think your your oldest orson welles movie because you haven't seen citizen kane yet yes so we have been working our way backwards but i do have a topic for us before we get into that are you ready for it sweet yeah let's go so we've been talking a little bit about siskel and ebert and roger ebert lately i sent you uh, a nice video of him talking to david lynch on the red carpet Mm -hmm. which i thought was cute so i wanted to go through and check out his reviews and see if you can guess maybe his ratings for some movies that we've talked about Ooh. okay yeah that's a great idea So, he didn't give a review to Modern Times, but, you know, he thought it was great. So, what do you think he gave Gattaca, and just know his reviews are out of four stars always. Okay, wait. So, can I ask, just to clarify first, so, like, what is kind of a rough break? I don't don't really know how he tends to review movies. Like, is he one of those people that, like, will, like, never give a four, pretty much? No, I wouldn't say he's too overly stingy with four-star reviews or anything, and I wouldn't say he's overly negative either, so... You know, there's definitely the whole breadth of star reviews that uh, he awards for sure. Okay, uh, let's see, Gattaca, I'm going to say he gave it a three. That's my guess. To me, that felt like a very, very solid movie, engaging, interesting themes, good shots, like aesthetic movie. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like it's, that movie doesn't really like reach into your soul, I don't think. At least not not for me. So he actually gave Gattaca three and a half stars. Really? So okay. you were indeed very close, but night not quite on the mark there, um, which is pretty similar to my own opinion. Very good movie, like you were saying, but not quite a masterpiece. Doesn't necessarily reach deep into your soul or anything. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, fair. Now, what do you think he gave the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie? Ooh, um... Oh, God, that's tough. Uh, I feel like I want to say higher than Gattaca, but... Okay, I'm actually going to go also guess three stars on that. Because I think, although I, I do feel like there's there's a decent risk that he did four, but I think it's like, maybe... I, I feel like you could argue that the the pace is too slow in that movie. That it's like, for what it's doing, it could do it in less time and like some of the themes are a little bit repetitive okay i can see that so three stars is your guess yeah three stars 
in fact, Roger Ebert rated it four full stars Fuck. and put it on his great movies list. Wow. Wow. Which okay. makes sense, right, if you think about it. But I see where you were coming from. I mean, it's definitely probably, I'd say, a, a greater, more interesting movie than Gattaca. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. What do you think he gave The Killing, which we also talked about? Ooh. Okay. The Killing. Yeah. I mean, I loved The Killing. Uh, I think, it, yeah, that was just such a fun movie and, like, really well done. I see. I think part of my, I feel like part of my blind spot here is I don't really know how a lot of these movies, like, fit into the broader ecosystem of film at the time which i'm guessing ebert is taking into consideration but i think he would give that a 3.5 very close he gave it a full four star rating and put it on his great movies list baby dude okay so we're choosing the right movies dude we are i mean we've been talking about some pretty great ones i don't want to give anything away but going into the same vein what do you think he gave touch of evil uh well, four. Is that your final answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. <laughs> yes, indeed. He gave it full stars and put it on his great movies list. Sweet. Yeah, I, I feel like that one would maybe be my highest. Although, we're eventually going to go through our, our the films that we watched so far. But, um, yeah, that one was just fucking sick as hell. Hell yeah. So, that's basically... Uh where we've gone so far he's definitely you know i think we're in pretty good graces so far with the spirit of roger ebert i think he approves yeah that's awesome um and also at the risk of running a little long on time i actually came with a brief question for you if you're ready for it dude i'm not (laughs) okay perfect (laughs) no i'm kidding go for it go for it um okay so i just ordered a uh new pair of headphones that are coming tomorrow that are open back headphones, which I'm not sure if you were, or the listeners would be familiar with that. But basically, they're not like the speaker is not completely closed in. the The sound is allowed to sort of play out of the back of the headphone, and this can create a more sort of like spacious atmosphere and has certain other uh, effects. But I'm really excited to use these with um, with movies and see how it like affects the sort of sound stage and the the level of engagement with the movie. So I just wanted to ask if there's any particular uh, equipment that you like to watch movies with um, or that, that you feel like is is important. At least for me personally, it feels like nothing can beat uh, just like actually being in a movie theater, but I'm curious if you have any uh, particular things that you think are good. Yeah, that's a pretty good question. Definitely, I agree with you being in the movie theater because especially older films were literally created to be projected and to have you know a full speaker system or even earlier than that like these silent films had an organist accompanying it so it was literally created Mm. with these specifications in mind for how it's supposed to be consumed nowadays things are totally crazy like (laughs) i don't know if you've seen this video where david lynch is like talking about how you know his movies were made to be seen in the big screen and all this stuff and all the comments are just like watching Eraserhead on my Wii U right now as Lynch intended. <laughs> like, and then the next comment is like, watching Blue Velvet on my 3DS screen. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I'm not quite that bad. I will watch some films on my computer screen, especially because that's the easiest way to just look them up on Google and find a free version. But I would definitely concede that it's not you know, the best way always. Yeah. Uh, but also I'm not sure about headphones. Like, 
it's definitely old films were not created with the intention that somebody would be using headphones to listen to the to the audio. Yeah, I think that's fair, but I also think that like just because they weren't created with that intention doesn't mean that they wouldn't be better with them. And like I'm not I am definitely not going to be able to like afford a speaker setup, like one of those like really nice multiple speaker setups that you can use for films. So like headphones I feel like are the next best. Um but uh, yeah, I'll I'll report back. Yeah, that makes sense. I probably agree with that. Although, wouldn't you want to eventually have like a really nice speaker setup? You know, uh, it's a good question. I think like maybe, but I I honestly do feel like, well, one, I just personally love wearing headphones. Like I would like to pretty much wear headphones all day if I could. But also, I think that for like a thousand dollars or something, however much you could spend on a speaker setup, you could probably get a pair of headphones that would would be better. I, that could be wrong, though, and that's probably somewhat blasphemous. But um, I mean, what if you're watching movies with another person, though? You're not going to both be wearing synchronized headphones. That's just yeah, crazy. That's, that's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for other people, it definitely, that definitely makes sense. But what, one thing, the like, kind of absurd uh, combination of old school and new, new school that is possible now uh, so I had before I had a uh, an Oculus Quest two, and you can oh. put you can like basically have it have it put you in like a virtual movie theater and then play whatever video you want on like this seemingly huge screen and it's actually pretty fucking sick. The problem is you have to like realistically you have to use the the Quest speakers which are kind of garbage, but it like it, yeah it's honestly pretty fucking sick and. And kind of does feel like you're actually watching something in a movie theater. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very crazy. I watched some uh, videos, like, with my Google Cardboard headset back in the day. But I doubt it oh, was yeah. as sophisticated as your as your Facebook headset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever tried one? Not that specific one, but my friends had... Um, like a like a higher tier version you know <laughs> oh nice okay yeah yeah i mean it's pretty i think it's pretty fucking insane technology honestly i think it's nowhere near where it needs to be for it to actually be not shit really okay well i guess we can table that disagreement for now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here's a question though would you watch the magnificent ambersons in your fucking oculus headset no next question <laughs> let's no. let's get on to talking about it though so no, i'm, I'm yeah, too anxious yeah. uh yeah yeah so yeah what are your first thoughts on it dude give me your first thoughts on it <laughs> okay yeah i mean i gotta say it was like a pretty i felt pretty weird watching the movie like it, it's like very like all the different little social interactions and the dynamics uh, relationships between all the all the different people are just pretty fucking bizarre and that you have like the aunt um who's just like completely batty and like like kind of awesome you have the you have george who just fucking sucks ass um, <laughs> and, and then you have like 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 the weird there's just so many weird interactions so like watching the movie i honestly felt like a little a little overwhelmed at times just just being like what the hell is going on like what are these people but um uh but yeah i enjoyed it and like i feel like i'm getting at this point getting sort of more of a sense of of orson wells and his particular style and uh yeah and it's it's pretty nice 
Nice. Yeah, that's really interesting. I definitely agree with what you're saying about all the different dynamics between the family members and the interactions. And a lot of them are super like, what is even going on in this conversation yeah. right now? Yeah, But like totally. in a really interesting way. So I definitely appreciated that. And like you're saying, the Aunt Fanny, she was maybe the most interesting character. She was yeah, absolutely I totally agree. Character. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I fucking loved her. Like she's like so so melodramatic and like has like such weird perceptions of everything is it like yeah i don't know there's so much to talk about with her but yeah i think honestly she she was my favorite character overall i might agree it was really interesting to me that i think george was the main character is that even a fair assumption to make yeah i i think so i mean it, yeah it feels a little weird to say it but yeah i think so right and he was definitely like just a piece of shit just fucking garbage <laughs> yep oh the worst the worst yeah so yeah it was fucking like this dude is ostensibly the main character at the very least you know one of the leads and like i absolutely hated his fucking guts for most of the film yeah yeah that's uh, i think uh i was w reading about it after on wikipedia and they like described him as the protagonist and i was like i don't feel like that's the right word to use for him. like he's just the guy but he's not he's the, like you don't fucking like him like it, it's funny because it's not even like, Tony Soprano is a piece of shit guy that you love. And this guy you just fucking hate the whole time. It's true. I mean, there are some scenes where I think he's sympathetic. And overall, there are degrees of complexity and, and sympathy that I have towards him. Yeah, but, yeah. But when you boil him down, he's just a fucking cunt. <laughs> yeah. And he's also, like, he's very weird socially. Like, he's not like on the spectrum or whatever but i don't think but some of the stuff is just so strange like at the the initial party um the like way that he's he's talking to lucy or just like that was honestly one of the things that first hooked me about the movie was just how odd the way that they were interacting was and a lot of it was him just putting things strangely or being like weirdly domineering in a way that was like totally not fitting, but then she would sort of go along with it. It was, it was just so much weird, like kind of like just wrong social stuff. Dude, literally, I think, yeah, that first like ballroom scene or whatever it was, he's like referring to everybody as, oh, that queer looking duck over there. Yeah, 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 everybody yeah. Duck, and saying like, oh, they're getting so fresh and like all this weird shit. Yeah. That, you're right. She's just like going along with it. And I really did like the character of Lucy overall. Uh, but you're right. Their interactions are so weird sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to have to, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I'm definitely, I definitely have a couple questions for you about Lucy and some of the some of the stuff about her. Okay, yeah, before we move on from that, I feel like I'm contractually obligated to say every film and I'm sorry but like I must. She is a handsome woman. Oh my god. Damn, dude. <laughs> dude, that's that's funny you say that because when when they were doing their like carriage ride thing, I was looking at her and I was like, I think I think I was kind of thinking like, ah, Colin Colin's not gonna say that this time. But then there are a couple other times where it's like, okay, yeah, she's she's a very beautiful woman. Yeah, dude, I can't help it. I feel like in all of these movies, they're like, you know, let's get a fucking nine to play our our you know love interest or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and George is not like a particularly good looking. I mean, he's not bad, but he's like not strikingly handsome or anything yeah it's interesting to me i would have thought wells would cast himself in that role 
because he was only 26 when he made the movie and so i definitely think oh. he could have uh, played that part but was was he fat and gross then no he, no he wasn't he looks pretty hot oh, or okay. not hot but he's still got like a boyish enough face. no you said it okay <laughs> I, mean, I said it i'm sorry <laughs> here's something interesting that i didn't know so the movie is based off a novel by booth tarkington which is a pretty sick name first of all but have you ever even <laughs> yeah. heard of him booth tarkington no no I've not. dude me neither but apparently he was hugely famous like in the early 1900s huh i'm gonna be liberally quoting from wikipedia here so i'm sorry but he's one of only four authors to have won the pulitzer prize for fiction more than once whoa and apparently in the 1910s and 20s again i'm quoting liberally he was considered the united states's greatest living author what and really we've never crazy. heard his name I've n no, he's like not nearly as famous as the other guys, Faulkner, John Updike. I was reading a little bit about him. Apparently, it's like one of those things where, you know, you're not really known in your lifetime and then you get hugely famous after your death or you're uh, like really popular during your lifetime and then public or critical kind of consensus, you know, changes a lot after you're dying. So apparently he's no longer regarded as highly as he was. Really? But That's so interesting. It's super interesting, but I thought that some of the, like a lot of the dialogue and the narration in this was fucking great writing, and I'm sure it was yeah. taken, you know, from his book. So True. Yeah. I yeah, the, yeah, and there were some like pretty good monologues. Like I really liked um the uh the monologue during by the uh fuck, the like dad guy, um Lucy's dad at dinner. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, yes. That scene was fucking insane. We have to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that character's name is Eugene. And I did get confused because sometimes they're calling him Gene. And I was like, is Gene a different character? But no, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's the same guy. <laughs> and he is played by Joseph Cotton, who is also, along with a few other actors in this film, uh, from Citizen Kane. So it's interesting to see them in mm. that and in this film. He, I thought, was pretty good along with the writing. I thought the acting was pretty uniformly uh, quite good. Yeah, yeah, he was he was pretty sick. I liked him. Yeah, I thought, I mean, even George's acting, I was like, this guy's fucking, you know, playing this fat slob oh, quite well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the, the baddie, Aunt Fanny. Oh, yeah, yeah. she was great. She's also in, in Citizen Kane. Definitely, I have a few scenes written down. I took way too many notes, but also, if Sweet. you have any scenes you want to talk about, kind of somewhat chronologically, let's let's hit that. Yeah, shot. let's see. I don't really think I have any particular ones flagged at the beginning, so we can jump into yours. Okay. I mean, I did think just the entire beginning kind of montage was really interesting. It yeah. Kind of, yeah, set up like this very particular time, very particular sense of like wealth and stuff it was very interesting like about this the specifics of the dress and the the manners and the niceties and all of that i thought was pretty cool yeah. honestly yeah i agree i i love the like sort of punchy beginning to the movie and like the way that the different people are talking about the ambersons that like yeah that whole part was just fun and then you do um when you see george as a kid like riding around and stuff you do like immediately get that sense of hatred that you're to carry with you um for him the rest of the movie which um like, yeah they just like yeah that kid is totally such a is pretty good. i fucking hate that kid like uh yeah one of the probably most interesting scenes about that opening is when 
a younger Eugene is kind of in the process of wooing Isabel. <clears throat> and you probably know what I'm talking about. He goes to like play the fucking viola or whatever under her window and he's drunk and mm. he like falls and cracks it. Oh yeah. Dude, that was so interesting to me because that's like the action that catalyzes her marrying this other dude. Yeah. Which is like crazy. Like, bro, this dude just like makes one slip. And, you know, maybe he's had a couple <laughs> drinks and you're, like, literally going to snub him for that? It's crazy. Yeah, he's, like, drunk. And it was, like, supposed to be, like, oh, he's humiliating her or whatever. But it's, like, I mean, his heart was still in the right place. He was there to fucking play music for. Right, dude? I feel like girls these days, I could be, like, I don't like you at all. And they wouldn't, <laughs> like, be as upset as she was for yeah, falling yeah, over. True. <laughs> true. Which is crazy. Oh, and then of, oh, yeah, also, sorry, this is, uh, uh, I just, I forgot about this, but, um, but early on the, the, when he goes and the like servant guy tells him, did you feel like pretty weird with that guy? Like he respond like when he's like, Oh, she's not home or whatever. Like that, that was like one of the early things for me of just like, man, like Wells's characters are just different. Yeah. I, don't know if I noticed like a particular vibe from the character, but definitely the first time he goes to the door, he says, you know, she's not home. And the second time they show it, he says that she's not home for you. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, it's one of these fucking things. Like, I get it. She's out in quotations. Like, yeah, yeah. I know I'm not wanted anymore. Which then, you know, that whole dynamic becomes really interesting and it plays into that first ballroom party scene or whatever it is, which is fucking crazy scene to be honest yeah yeah that, that was an amazing scene i love george's dialogue in that scene where he's talking to lucy and she's like basically you know what uh, do you want to do when you grow up and he's like talking really disparagingly about all of these people and their business and their professions he says like i don't want to go into business or profession at all yeah and <laughs> she's like what do you want to be and he's like a yachtsman which is yeah. fucking hysterical. I think it's one of the... There's some pretty good like satire sprinkled throughout. And I think that was one of the the biggest parts. That's definitely like a joke. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like so pathetic. Too. Like the way he was explaining, he was like, he was like, yeah, bankers, like lawyers. And what are they getting out of it? <laughs> like, like, it's just like such a ridiculous, self-absorbed way of viewing the world. But that's, that's just George. He becomes, like, weirdly obsessed with Eugene Morgan throughout the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, like, fucking hates him from, like, the first moment he sees him, I I, th I swear. Yeah, that's true. And, and Eugene is always pretty good to him, even, even with that. Yeah, Eugene was a really great character. We can definitely talk about that scene in his monologue now, because I think that is really the biggest moment when George just straight up insults his entire profession to his yeah. face when they're at dinner. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, it's literally crazy because, you know, they're talking about automobiles, they're having a nice uh, dialogue, and then George is just like, what does he even say? He's just like, they're shit, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, and they're like not, like they're, they're worse than horses or oh, yeah, whatever. I have it. He says they're a useless nuisance. Yeah. And this is after he gets in the fight with Lucy and she, like, goes off without him. But then, of course, what Eugene says 
back to him is fucking crazy. It's uh, amazing. Yeah. I don't know if you got this too, but he's talking about, I wrote a couple things down. He basically agrees a little bit. He's like, you might be right. Yeah. It might be that uh, it won't add to the beauty of the world or the life of men's souls, which is a great fucking line. Yes. And then I he talks that, about, yeah. yeah, right. I wrote this other one down where he says, they're going to alter war and they're going to alter peace, which is also crazy. Yeah. And to me, it seems like even though to us, the automobile seems like almost a quaint technology, yeah. especially at this time. You could almost say that about any technology. Like I could say that. Oh, about I totally agree. Yeah. AI, and everything he's saying would make sense in you know talking about AI. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And this is like actually one of the things that I really like about art, and especially art from different time periods, is is it, it like renews your sense of wonder about the kind of world that you live in and the like way that that life is radically different from from before. And like another example of this that really stuck with me was this book, um, 100 Years of Solitude. And there's basically this uh, like traveling, like sort of party of, of gypsies that will like occasionally come by with new technology or whatever. And then they come by and I, I didn't actually know what they, they were using this weird word, but uh, that I didn't know. So I didn't quite get what the technology was. And at first I thought it was just a made up word for the story. And people were saying like, uh, some people really liked it, but then some people really didn't. And like, there was this one, uh, I think the, the mom, the sort of matriarch of this, of this, uh, like village, she, she thought that it was, it was like, there was something deeply wrong about it, that it was like immortalizing a person and she would never let it be used on her. And then it, what it was, was just a camera. And like, that's something that to us is just so like pedestrian at this point. Um, but it, it really, like, when you think about it, that is a profound change in what it means to be a person even to to like have photography at your fingertips at like widely available like the fact that that no matter where you are you can see a picture of mount everest or your mother or of like someone in war right now like that that kind of thing is like really profound and in this monologue eugene says to something like it, it, it will subtly change the minds of men. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's very true. Um, it like opens up a lot of stuff. And yeah, I, thought, I just thought that whole thing was, was beautiful and like just very balanced too, because he, was, he wasn't really taking it personal. He was like, yeah, this is like, it's gonna have a big change and it may be good, it may be bad, but like that's the way things are going. And like, I'm, I'm playing the part I am in it. Yeah, that's a really great insight. And to me, it was almost like when he was saying these, you know, very thought out words, I'm like, dang, he is actually destroying George right now. Like with this cool mm. calculated response. True. Like, George is saying some flippant shit like, oh, they're going to be a nuisance. And then he's like, well, yes, George, I may agree with you. Like, let me say <laughs> like this thing. And then yeah. George is like sitting there like, fuck, he's got me. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. But yeah, because uh, he basically says like a much better version of what George said. Yeah, George hasn't even like thought about it nearly as deeply. <laughs> yeah. He's just like very surface level hatred. Mostly, I'm sure, towards why does he even hate Eugene so much and the motor car? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. So I think maybe if I recall correctly, the first time he's put off by Eugene is after he talks to his mother, right? Mm, yeah. So yeah, maybe that like. I mean, yeah, because he has just this weird attachment to his mother that, yeah, we'll obviously I, yeah. have to get into that. There is kind of Oedipal undertones to their relationship. And yeah. I really think his hatred comes to a tipping point when he realizes that Eugene is courting his mother again. I think you're right. It's because they used to be in love. Maybe were still in love, even while she was married to his father. Like that ballroom scene mm. where yeah, he's dancing yeah. with his aunt and the mother. And so... I mean, fuck, the relationships are just crazy. And especially when uh, the aunt, Fanny, is also in love with him. It's pretty sad, honestly. I I felt bad for her. Yeah, yeah, her life sucks. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a... She admits later in a scene that he wouldn't have even looked at her even if Isabel, like, didn't exist or something like that. And it's like, damn, Fanny... You poor girl. Yeah, Fanny really deserves better. Um, and oh yeah, another another thing on the hating uh, Eugene point. I just thought not. Even, and obviously, it's all like setting up the like crashing and then him going into the the um, horseless carriage. But when they go by and he's and he's just like, get a horse. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, I, thought that, yeah. I thought that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> that scene was pretty great though when they fall out of his, you know carrot or the sleigh uh yeah and he like rolls on top of lucy and is like kissing her and her dad's right fucking there and is like bro like what's up (laughs) yeah actually that's a good point that i feel like that is the maybe the first or one of the first times that we see just how cool eugene is going to be to george because he's like literally just watching him like make out with his daughter on the fucking ground and he's like not even weird about it he's actually a little bit like warm about it and almost if anything seems to be like uh either if not neutral then like slightly positive like oh this is kind of a nice little romantic thing which is like crazy for a dad of a daughter to be like but that's just the kind of guy he is yeah it is crazy and one of the characters even mentions how much of a dick george is being to eugene while trying to like woo and marry his daughter and it's like yeah you know that's an interesting way to go about it and he even gets like pissed so it's it's such a weird dynamic yeah and then uh, if you have so you were talking about earlier times that you did feel sympathetic to george and i think one for me was when he was having to uh like like pump the horseless carriage or whatever when he was like sort of behind and he was Dude, just like, totally not. left out and failing i, I was so you didn't annoyed at him during that scene why literally he's like they're like fucking push this thing so we can start up he's like barely pushing and doing jack shit and like acting like oh the smoke is like oh getting in my face uh it's like dude shut the fuck up and push this shit so your mother your aunt like your girlfriend can get out of this shit and then they have to get the uncle uh, jack to like jump out and push it too and only then does it start if i recall yeah, that's true. He was definitely being a little bit of a bitch during that, but I still, I still felt bad for him that like everyone in the carriage was like having fun and whatever, and then he was just kind of back alone. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if he was a better person, he would have been like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm like helping people out, blah blah. Like, this is what I should be doing. It's true. The time where I did legitimately feel sympathy and feel bad for him is pretty later in the film when oh i know it i know what it's gonna be yeah and yeah, that's so that's a scene 
I have to ask you about. Yeah, so he's, you know, asked Lucy to marry him at this point. She basically says no in so many words. And later he sees her back from her trip and tells her he's going to go away forever and may never see her again. And it's clear that his feelings for her are legitimate. He really, you know, likes Lucy or maybe potentially loves her. And she is so unfazed, you know, apparently unfazed by him telling her that he's going away forever. She says all this shit like, oh, you know, well, have a great trip. Like, that should be fun. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like, we'll never see each other again. She's like, oh, I'm sure it'll be great. And he definitely is so upset in that moment. And I just love that scene because it becomes apparent afterwards that she is very upset as well. She, like, is such an interesting character because she kind of knows he's a little bitch. Uh, And she, you know, like, puts him in his place a few times previously in the movie, especially when she says she's not going to marry him for certain reasons, talks to him about professions he's going into, why she hates her father's profession, all this stuff. But she really does care for him, uh, which is when he finally leaves. She looks very sad, and then she goes into the drugstore uh, and faints, presumably. I think that's what happened. Mm. Okay. Do you know what okay, I'm talking about? Okay, interesting. And so, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So you were taking that as her being pretty upset that he was leaving? Definitely she was. And that is shown later in the film when they have the scene with her and her dad talking about the Native American names. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like a veiled allegory for her feelings for George and how she'll potentially never get over him. Oh, interesting. Okay, I see what you mean. With them, like, like the way that they named the spot and that stuff? Yeah, and so she says there was a, a leader of the tribe that, you know, was really cocky and they hated, so they pushed him out in a canoe and, like, pushed him to the ocean and never saw him again, but that they couldn't name a new leader. Even though right. they hated this guy and never wanted to see him again, they didn't know how to replace him. And for me, that was very clearly you know, supposed to be how she felt about George. Interesting. See, to me, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll have to go back because I, I didn't get the sense that she actually cared about him that that or le- that at that point there was like much of an emotional thing. But um, I did find it pretty perplexing how she uh, responded to him when he was saying he was leaving. Oh, I loved that response. She was definitely hiding and she does that in other points of the film you know, she's putting on this, this face, but it becomes apparent, like, when he leaves, there's a close-up of her, and she looks really sad, and then, of course, she goes to the drugstore and asks for, like, ammonia and water, you know, because, like, it's kind of like a Southern Belle thing, like, oh, I have the ethers, and then it pans away from her, Mm. and I swear that it was supposed to be her fainting, is that what you interpreted it as? Yeah, I wasn't sure, because, like, he, he says something, like, to her the pharmacist which is weird but they yeah they don't they don't show you so but yeah, the, yeah says, i think that for gosh think that sakes sense. miss yeah which is i don't know i feel like she like slumped over and he's like oh for gosh sakes miss like what oh no yeah <laughs> i yeah it could be um i'll have to check that out again because I, I felt like it was it was more like sort of conversational but i don't know um that yeah that's nah. interesting though i guess Okay, yeah. Well, well, because you... well, I, I don't know, because I've seen, I just played the clip back, and I don't know. It There's doesn't feel like the way you would too. say it. 
it doesn't feel like the way you would say it though if someone was like actually unconscious but but regardless something something happens with her so yeah but anyways were, were you gonna ask something how did you feel about that scene and her reaction and George choosing to, you know, go abroad with his mother and their feelings? And did you feel sorry for George and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, well, George is just a sick fuck. So, like, that's so weird <laughs> that he was leaving on that trip. Like, it was like, yeah, he basically just didn't want his mom to be with Eugene. So it's like, ugh, yeah, I don't know. That whole thing was just fucking weird. It, yeah, he's just such a such a child. Um, so I, I, I felt, I did feel bad for him a little bit with her reaction. And that was just like a weird, I mean, her reaction was just creepy. It was like, it wasn't even like, uh, you know, I, I see what you're saying. I like, I get why you're feeling how, how you're feeling. I don't feel exactly the same way, but like, um, whatever, like there was no, nothing like that. Like there was no connection really with even the idea that this was a pretty or, or could be a pretty important thing. And that was just like weird and kind of disturbing interesting yeah i loved it i thought it was awesome the way they played that scene but and like you're saying it's weird that he's like okay yeah you're not gonna get my mother i'm gonna go away with her but it's almost even more weird that the mom is down she's like yeah i'll go with yeah. you abroad and we're potentially not gonna make you know any plans to come back even though the dude i love who's trying to marry me is like here waiting for me because she's just like such a good mother or like in a certain way she is like she just like cares about him so much and then yeah is willing to do that for him even though it's like for this fucking like twisted logic but yeah yeah I, she's very very doting on him and that is super apparent in like her deathbed scene where she's like oh did you eat enough or like did you get something to eat oh you know, was yeah. it enough and like she's fucking like laying in bed dying meanwhile and it's like bro fuck george at this point like yeah yeah honestly which is a and then like and she's like oh i would have liked to have seen eugene and like of course he could go run down and get him bro but of course he's not gonna fucking do that he wouldn't do it if she asked directly that scene was fucking devastating yeah when she says i would have liked to see him one last time and you know yeah. she means it because she's not going to be able to see him again because she's going to die. And So why were the why was like everyone trying to keep him from seeing her? See, I legitimately think at that point the doctor was like, she can't have any excitement, like she needs to rest. Because mm. the Uncle Jack was pretty chill the entire movie. I don't think he had any yeah, like true. machinations or ulterior motives. So when he was like, sorry like eugene come back later i think he was being you know serious and just looking out for her true but still yeah, it was horrible sounds... and I, I think potentially george realizes at that moment like i fucked up big time here yeah i fucking hope so i mean if he has any humanity in him i mean he uh, later is like praying on the same bed i believe and like repenting to his mother and god mm, mm. so potentially yeah. it's you know for that action but <laughs> most likely for many many others yeah, true. All right, yeah, let's move towards the end of the narrative now. Yeah. I wrote down, WTF, Isabel sick, why Gene can't visit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, those are my notes on that scene we were just talking about. <laughs> that's funny, um, yeah. I did write, thank goodness he didn't lie and say Gene didn't visit, because I almost thought he was going to do that and be like, no, he hasn't asked about you. He doesn't care about you anymore. Oh, But I was true, like, okay, thank fuck this dude you know yeah the, the only other things i wrote down were uh yeah 
when Uncle Jack is leaving and they're in the train station. He has a really great speech to George about talking about, like, I was always fond of you even when I hated your guts and thought you should be hanged and all this shit. And I was like, I'm loving this speech. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was sick. And then, dude, yeah, we have to talk about the ending, basically. Yeah. Because, as I'm sure you're aware, I mean, I fucking hated the Mm. ending. What about you? Yeah, I mean... I honestly didn't hate it that much, but apparently I'm fucking wrong because everyone hates it. I did not realize that, like, when I watched it, that Eugene was implying that he was going to, like, take care of George financially. I I thought the implication was, like, he was being good to George and that that was, like, part of... That, like, showed that he really was being true to um, the mom. Yeah, was, like, being a good lover basically. And so that part I liked, I thought that was like kind of cool and like fit with his broader character, but I didn't realize that he was just going to like give money to, um, to George until I read that. No, I agree with you. Definitely where he's, you know, saying that he's being true to Isabel by like taking care of him. I thought that was cool, but you know, I thought the scene where George is, is praying and there's the Wells's narration comes down saying that he got his like comeuppance in the end. Like, by three times and like nobody there even remembered yeah. him and i was like okay this is good yeah, shit. yeah. Like, this is what i want to see happen like have like a really dark dour ending from this and then there's like this scene where and it which felt tacked on to me where you know he's in the law office yeah. and the dude is like oh no I'll, I'll hook you up i'm like no what the fuck stop giving this dude allowances like do not hook him yeah, up yeah that's true um and then that was actually beforehand like though weird... i think was it yeah, which is weird. But yeah, I, I, I sorry, okay. I shouldn't interrupt that because yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. No, you're good. And then there's this crazy car accident scene where it's like, what? oh yeah, yeah. Why, does. <laughs> why narratively does it make sense now for him to be in this fucking automobile yeah. accident? Which I'm like still okay with. I'm okay with that. And then this last scene is where I really got pissed. George isn't even in this scene. They like literally didn't even care to like get his actor for the fucking reshoots they did i guess but franny and gene are like walking down and he's like you know in the end he like apologized and everything is good and he like redeemed himself and we're all chilling now yeah and then it's like the end it's like yeah what no, the that, fuck that yeah, are yeah, you yeah 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 that's me? that's honestly kind of pathetic like i don't even know it rang so untrue yeah. for the entire narrative. yeah yeah and that it's almost like Okay, so if you're, like, a studio and you're trying to make things more positive or something for, like, a broader appeal, that doesn't even... That just feels like a pathetic attempt at doing that. Like, you like you didn't just change what the whole movie was by that, like, like quick caveat at the end. Bro, it goes even deeper than that. I also thought maybe, you know, they only... The last few scenes or a few minutes that they, you know, cut and changed, but... And we were talking... In a previous podcast about the kind of internal politics yeah. of filmmaking. So we're going to have to get into this a little bit because Wells is making this movie. And then he goes to fucking Brazil during Carnival to shoot this, like, I think propaganda film with, like, the U.S. government and shit. What? Like, I don't know the full... Yeah, I'm serious. And while he's literally in South America, the studio does, like, a surprise screening... And it doesn't do well. And they're like, fuck, we got to change this whole shit. So just like how in Touch of Evil, they made a bunch of changes. And then he was like, no, please don't yeah. make these changes. Except 
since he was in a different fucking country, they got away with it and they cut 40 <laughs> minutes out of the movie, dude. Fuck that. Isn't yeah. that fucked? Yeah, that is fucked. That's, uh... And so the version we saw is like a hugely truncated version. The version yeah. I watched was an hour and 28 minutes and the real version is like two hours or something. Yeah, two, eight minutes and I or read that, like they, that. Uh, they destroyed the like bits that they cut out. Like, it's literally not, you can't even find it. Like, at best, I think you can find, like, stills. This is why it's a fascinating and heartbreaking film, because to me, it's still very good. And obviously, we're talking about these situations where, or these scenes where there's shortcomings or it doesn't quite fit in. And you can only, you can't help but think, mm. like, what would it have been with Rel's original vision? He had just made one year before Citizen uh, Kane. Yeah. Would this have been Citizen Kane 2? Or oh. are we deluding ourselves and it would be way worse, you know, without, it's like, yeah. it's crazy. Like, what would it have yeah, been? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. You will never know. Well, that's part of the beauty of it. One thing, I think, uh, so I was reading Roger Ebert's review, and he's, I think you can find the screenplay of the original. So that, that would actually be kind of interesting to go through and see how it would change. Like, uh, yeah, if that would change our opinion much, but yeah, I, I, yes. I totally, I totally agree. And like, I don't know, that kind of stuff is, is really disgusting to me, honestly. I mean, it's one thing to cut it in a certain way for the release, but to like have the footage just never be available. I don't know. Anytime that you just irreversibly destroy really good art i just find it like so inhuman and just like very very deeply troubling dude any art at all i agree with you it's repugnant yeah. to think of this is a tiny bit of a tangent but i was looking up one of these silent film stars who i like and going through the wikipedia of their filmography and dozens upon dozens of their earlier films are lost oh, and brutal will probably never be seen again yeah. it's brutal it's crazy to think about even if it's like a really slight film in their filmography it's like we'll never know true anymore. there's no way to go back and critically reevaluate yeah this it's just crazy to a, think a really interesting case with that is uh kafka because he actually destroyed a lot of his writings and uh li like That's the true. trial technically i don't think he was completely finished writing it and he was and he was dying and he yeah. wrote to his friend and he was like when i die like destroy destroy this work basically and then, and his friend didn't and like fucking published it. And, uh, but what, there's an interesting quote from the friend where he said something like, he knew, he knew me. And like, he knew that I was not going to destroy his work. So like, if he was telling me to do it, like he knew that that wasn't going to happen, which I think also was just kind of like a, a beautiful and interesting and very like Kafka kind of thing to be like, tell someone like, when I die, destroy this. But it's like, if if anyone's ever going to read that, it's because of this like like force of of sort of good pushing pushing that forward, like knowing knowing that your friend's not going to do it. I have to go on a tiny bit of a tangent because yeah, his friend and literary executor Max Broad, who the crazy thing is, Max Broad is incredibly famous just for being the yeah, guy who yeah. edited and published Kafka's shit, even though he was a prolific writer musician of his own right like way more publishing things in his lifetime than kafka mm. but we don't even care about that shit anymore we care about the shit that a dude was like yeah this is terrible i never want it to see the light of day please burn it all yeah yeah just fucking madness 
so yeah, it's crazy how art works like that. But in the case of the Magnificent Ambersons, it's interesting to think that maybe one of the reasons the movie has such a reputation is because we'll never know this mythical version we've built up in our minds that is potentially like this great masterpiece mm. that can never be disproven. Obviously, it's famous for other reasons. Wells, he had just made Susan Kane, you know, so watching it even in this truncated, butchered form is still, in my opinion, a really freaking good movie. Mm. And it's still enjoyable, even though it does have these shortcomings that are potentially due to this studio interference. And yeah. like you were saying, you can go through and watch the movie. And then when the scenes were cut out, you can look at the script and be like, oh, that's what was supposed to be there. So I've heard of people doing that, and they say it's a really cool experience. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, another thing on that that I saw from the Wikipedia was that the the composer for the film wanted, like, because of the edits that they made, he did not want to appear in the credits. And I guess actually threatened that if they were to put him in the credits that he would, like, pursue legal action against them. And so, uh, yeah, he didn't end up being credited. But I thought, thought that was kind of awesome. Yeah, it's, it's fucked though. Like, not only did they cut up the movie, but they cut up the <laughs> yeah. music for it. Why are you doing all this yeah. shit? Yeah, it's it's brutal. These, yeah. At the same time, I do kind of want to like, like a as much as I enjoy shitting on them and like um, dislike some of their decisions, I d I do genuinely think that like the studios play an important role, and sometimes I think it can be things like that can actually unfortunately be the right decisions and like yeah this this stuff costs money uh, a lot of money to produce and um that has to come from somewhere so um yeah i think i think sometimes like tough decisions just have to be made but that being said i do think that's still um not not the right thing fuck them i disagree just two quick things that i want of to course. mention as well so there was uh one shot that i really liked um was uh i forget who was coming in i think it was maybe the uncle but it's like you're you're seeing from the staircase uh they're like like walking to uh the mom and then it pans up and you see george um like kind of like spying oh, yes. and then above him is the aunt uh, i just thought that was like like a pretty a pretty fun and like cool shot Yes, I loved all of the photography in the mansion and these staircases. And, like, it was a lot of fun to see all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and then the, the one other thing was there was a quote where it was something like, like, when you're, like, 20 years old, like, everything is, is like, rigid mm. and you're sort of, it's sort of like, I don't know, you're set in your beliefs or whatever. And then when you're, uh, like, 40, you see that that's not the case. But, like, 40 can't tell 20 that that's how it is like 20 just has to get there um and I, th I thought that was interesting i think it like rings true in some ways and rings not true in others because like i think the way it it rings true is that oh yeah over time your sort of beliefs about the world just get tested and like uh and like a, through your beliefs about yourself especially and you just you just see that things are just like very fucking complicated um, and I'm saying this as being much closer to 20 than 40, but like, I feel like that's one thing you see as you get older is there's, there's just like a lot going into any given thing. And, uh, yeah, shit's like more complicated than you could ever really know. But also like people that are older, I think generally do tend to be set more in their ways than when they were younger. So that in that way, I found it like a, a little bit off, but I'm curious if that struck you any particular way. Yeah. It's interesting to me. Cause that quote, I thought, you know, had a lot of 
wisdom and validity in it. But at the same time, it seemed a little bit, I don't know about preachy, but like mm. just not super original. It wasn't my favorite mm. quote in the film. I thought there was some better dialogue overall, but I still thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, let me get into these letterboxed reviews now that I've curated. Yeah, let's fucking go. Our favorite segment. <laughs> yes. So here's one by uh, Phoebe who says, there were like 53 shots in this that were so breathtaking, part of my soul actually died. <laughs> Orson, you legend. <laughs> oh, man. How about this one? Can't wait for the Orson cut coming to HBO Max on March 13th. <laughs> I wish, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wishes. Yeah, I like that one. How about this one? Agnes Moorhead invented acting. And that's the actress who played uh, Franny. Oh, end. nice. Yeah, honestly. That was, yeah, God, that was amazing. And also... She I, only the, gave it three stars, though. Oh, God damn it. Th- there was an interesting bit about, um, I, I think this was also Wikipedia, our trusted source, um, where she, like, she, uh, Wells kept telling Fanny, whoever plays her, to uh, to, like, he would give her these weird kind of like enigmatic um, instructions. I think they shot the the scene where she's like leaning against the boiler like eleven times, and the way she described Dude, that it was scene was sick. Though. Yeah, it was really good, and 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 it was interesting how she described it, is that he's like so he she said that basically his directing style is to constantly give or or he always gives sort of like oblique instructions, and so he and this sounded like he was basically like trying to tweak her in all of these different little ways and then yeah it ended up with that amazing scene that we got yeah i wonder if that's the 11th take i guess we'll never know yeah how about this one agnes moorhead scream sobbing because she only has 28 dollars to her name <laughs> is a little too relatable if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, that person weird. only gave it two and a half stars though god damn this is fucked oh yeah this one's fucked this guy says it's hot take time I think that the Wells lad was a bit of a cinematic one-hit wonder, which is <laughs> fucking false, as we know. He's referring to Citizen uh, Kane, right? Yeah, yeah. And saying that he never made another good film, which is absolute bullshit. Yeah, that, that's a wild take. That's funny. And dude rated it three and a half stars. Okay, wait, this one's good. Justin says, my favorite genre is rich people walking around gigantic gothic mansions in black and white as the world crumbles around them. (laughs) That's good. Okay, one last one. Okay, two last ones. (laughs) This guy says, I fucking hate you, Georgie. I hate you so damn much. And we got one last one. Boy, did that ending stink. Damn you, RKO Pictures. Damn you to hell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, agree with both of those. Which is a Planet of the Apes reference too. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. So yeah, any any last uh, parting thoughts or conclusions, my good Sean? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it was clearly a good movie. I will say that, like, I don't, I don't feel like I necessarily enjoyed it as much as our previous movies in in, in some ways. But but yeah, it was definitely definitely good, definitely a good watch. Uh, and fuck George. <laughs> dude i definitely that's very interesting because i enjoyed it a lot i was having fun i was just like dude i'm having fun watching this freaking movie <laughs> okay, <yeah>. dude <laughs> but i think that's just my 
just how much I like, you know, the style of Wells and his actors and his narration. Oh, and one last thing we have to talk about is the ending credits, because I thought those were fucking awesome. Yeah, I frankly, I didn't really watch them, but I'm looking through Dude, them Dude, are now. you shitting me? You have to go back. I'll literally send you a video. It's so classy. He's, like, narrating all of the parts, and there's, like, these really nice visuals to go along mm. with, you know the set dressings by this guy and there's like a nice thing and he's you know and i'm orson wells i wrote and directed the picture it's fucking Ooh, nice like, awesome okay. to yeah. just yeah sweet it was, it's a lot of fun way to end a film they should do it all like that cool all right that's it sweet. what's our next movie sean it's your turn baby um what? yeah well i was thinking maybe we could do a lynch one so um i'm not oh yeah that would i would be stoked to do that because i've still only seen two of his movies but um, I was thinking, like, maybe Eraserhead, uh, Inland Empire. What would you want to do between Eraserhead and Inland Empire? I've never heard anything about Inland Empire, so I'm kind of curious about that. Okay, let's fucking do it. Okay, down. Lynch, coming for you next on my Wii U screen. Yeah, yes, yes. Dude, I, I did watch once uh, the movie Black Klansman on a phone. I think our internet was out. It was the only way to do it. That was actually a pretty fucking fun movie, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it. I have not. Spike Lee, right? Uh, maybe. It's it's fun though. It's like yeah, it's it's it's, okay. it's it's really good. But also, and this is news not only to our listeners but to you as well. But if you would like to write in to our mailbag, uh, email us at realfilmflampod at gmail and we will <laughs> <laughs> we will read your mail and respond to it. And you can ridicule us and make us feel bad and try and make us quit the podcast or whatever you want to do. And we will read it for the world to hear. Just They're going to just ask anything? Or is there a specific question or about a film? May, I, I mean, whatever. Whatever they want to write, I think. Um, okay, sounds good. That's real Film Flam Pod as opposed to yeah. the fake one. Yeah, the, if Film Flam Pod at Gmail is just some fake losers, so don't write to them. Um, <laughs> it's real. It's kind of like at like the real Donald Trump. That's that's like us. All right, sounds good. I'm excited to see if anything comes of that. Thanks for for putting that together. Hell yeah, my pleasure. And thank Hell you yeah, all okay. for listening, film flam, film flammers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> until next time, film flammers. <laughs> all right, peace.